0: This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Would you join me in Genesis? Genesis chapter 1, and then we're going to be moving around in the scriptures this morning. This is Sanctity of Life Sunday. Anytime that we talk about life, we talk about what is destroying life, and in our land, abortion, I always want to be very careful to let our church family know that there is no sin or failure that God cannot forgive or heal from. In a congregation our size, as we come to this subject, there may actually be some folks that have this in their background. Sometimes a man who encouraged a a girlfriend or a wife to end a pregnancy. Uh, Sometimes a woman who didn't know the Lord, was away from the Lord, and in those Moments of doubt and fear, they make a serious choice that doesn't please God. Uh, God is faithful and God is the great healer. And so know that God's not done with you. Uh, You can be right with him and your past doesn't have to define your future. Okay? But it's also important that in these days, the church of Jesus Christ be the light of the world. That means that we lovingly share the gospel, but like our Lord did, we also confront sin. One trap that we have to be careful of is that we we don't fall into the other side's narrative. Satan likes to choose his terms to downplay the awfulness of sin. Abortion is murder. There are other terms that are used. Homosexuality, the biblical term, is sodomy. But here's what's so serious about that. Homosexuality is the denial of the conception of life. Two women can't make a baby. Two men can't make a baby. And it's ridiculous to think that anyone would say a man can have a baby. It's equally ridiculous that when you dear ladies go in and and have a baby, that in some hospitals they'll hand you a form where you need to identify whether you're male or female. and these are medical professionals. How about some of the other terms? Well, abortion, as I've mentioned, is murder, but abortion is the denial of the continuation of life. Homosexuality, the denial of the conception Abortion, the denial of the continuation. And then there are terms like euthanasia. Well, you know what that is? That's simply the denial of the extension of life. God said it's appointed unto man once to die. And he holds the appointment book. Aren't you glad He he holds the appointment book? All right. Now, we live in a day where all of this trans this trans that your pronouns all you know be careful all of that that is all confusing the mess that already exists because God made man in his image and he created them male and female and i'm thankful my bible's full of accurate pronouns god does define who we are and Last time I looked at my Bible, my opinions aren't going to have any bearing in the throne room when I stand before my creator. Your opinions aren't going to matter either. What he has said, that's how life and eternity work. Now, having said that, as God's people, we have to be able to define lovingly, carefully, clearly what the scripture says about this issue. So this morning I want to just share with you in the time that remains and we're going to have to move along why I am pro-life. If someone were to ask you that, why are you pro-life? Could, could you respond to that? Could you give solid Bible answers? Now, I am not purposing to be... Now, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I'm not trying to stir anything up, be controversial. But when the Bible speaks for itself, there is no controversy. God is clear. He's given us the light. The controversy comes when we think we know better than God And we want to try to redefine what he has already said. All right, so why am I pro-life? I'm going to give you some points this morning. I hope you'll write these down. Again, we can't develop them as I would wish to. But I want you to listen carefully. You can develop these, meditate on these in your own mind, and I think they'll be a help to you. I want to begin this morning. I am pro-life because of the Creator's man. Let me say that again. The creator's man. Mankind. By the way, people are trying to rewrite Bibles. We don't like mankind. Well, the reality is God created the man first, and out of the man he made the woman. They're equal. No debate about that. But we are mankind. Not multiple races. We are one race with a lot of different ethnic groups, all right. but the Creator's man. Look at Genesis 1 and verse 26. And God said, let us, there's a reference there to the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image. This is why I believe that we are a trichotomy. Body, soul, and spirit. Three parts. One. Okay. Let us make man after our, uh, our in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Have dominion. Now, I've got news for you later. God would say, and you can eat most of that. I didn't get any amens, but come lunchtime, you'll be thinking like I'm thinking, all right? Have dominion. Be a steward of, a caretaker of what I have created. And then here's what Genesis 2, 7 says, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now, let's take a moment just to think about what God did. We know in the New Testament that Jesus took dead limbs, brought them back to life. Withered limbs brought them back to life. Uh, Parts of the body that stopped functioning and he made eyes to see, ears to hear, and so on. Why? Because he's the creator and he made it all to begin with. Though it has been corrupted by sin, it decays, it's broken, but he proved he's the creator. So that day when he made Adam out of the dust of the ground, here's here's what we have to remember. When he was done, the only thing that that body needed was his breath. It wasn't just a clay sculptor, sculpture, all right? It was what we are without breath. It just needed life support. Are you, are you following me? All right. So just like emergency personnel respond to situations where the life is leaving someone. They're, they're all there, but, but they need that heart jump started. They, you know A drowning victim, we, we've got to get the water out and the oxygen back in. It's not just a sculptor, it's, it's a body. That's what the Lord made. So Adam had bones, sinew, nerves, uh, all of that was in place. And then God, God bent down and he breathed into Adam the breath of life. I've shared this before. There's a reason you're an eternal being. You have the breath of God in you. You can't extinguish the breath of God. And Adam became a living soul. I I hope there's instant replay in heaven. I want to see when that happened. Wow. then, of course, God did a similar thing with Eve, though he took part of Adam and he made her. And so we move a few more chapters in. Because of the fall, man corrupts. God does a major reset, sends a great flood, it was universal, it covered the entire earth, everything died except Noah and his family. And when Noah gets off the ark, notice in Genesis 9 and verse 6, here's what God said. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed, for in the image of God made he man. Why is murder wrong? It's striking out at the image of God. Now, in a, in a silly sense, if you gave me a photo of you and your family and I, I threw darts at it, I would be expressing an opinion. Do you know what happens when we, we try to destroy the life of someone else? We're going against the image of God. God takes that very seriously, very personally. I want to caution you what I'm about to say. You can go online and you can have all kinds of people sharing the opinions why this next text doesn't support standing for preborn life. I'm going to share it with you and then I'm going to share something specific about it. And this is is my opinion. This is what I believe the text is doing. You can study it for yourself. But I believe what God said to Noah about life, God also carries this over to the unborn. If you want to turn over to Exodus 21 and verse 22, this is the law of Moses now. By the way, as you're turning there, I would say this is the text which is what most of the law in this country still defends. If someone murders an expectant mother, in most states it is still true you're going to be charged for two murders. Okay, where did that come from? Well, right here, Exodus 21. Notice verse 22, it says this, if men strive, right, there's an altercation, they're fighting together, and hurt a woman with child, so that her fruit depart. Depart from her, and yet no mischief or injury follow, he shall be surely punished, according as the woman's husband will lay upon him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. What's in question is what does that word mean? Her fruit and this word depart. What does it mean? Well, some of our translations, our English translations, actually become interpreters. They interpret what that means instead of just giving you what the word means. All right. For instance, one translation says it means miscarriage. But that narrows the Hebrew word to a point where it doesn't necessarily mean that. Do you know what the Hebrew word literally means to depart? Here's what it means. Write this down. It means the fruit appear or come forth. That's the basic meaning of the word. In other words, the altercation induces labor and she has the baby. And then if there's no mischief that follows, the mom dies, the baby dies, after the birth, then we have God's prescription. But notice what the, ver- what the next verse says. And if any mischief follow, then thou shalt give what? Life for life. See what the text is doing? So God even thinks if something happens, that kills an unborn baby. Life for life. Now. Not everybody agrees with that. Even religious scholars. Don't agree with that. And I'm not claiming to be one. But I can see what the Hebrew word is doing. And so with that in mind. <laughs> why am I pro-life? Well because of the creator's man. Secondly. Secondly because of the Creator's master plan. I didn't mean for that to rhyme, okay? Turn in your Bibles now to Psalm 139. Psalm 139, I believe, is one of the best places that you can go, that you can take someone who wants to try to defend the murder of the unborn. Here's what Psalm 139 says, and I want us to move quickly, but again see what the context is doing. Let's let Scripture speak for itself. You'll notice this is a psalm of David. We also know that David was writing this under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So David's speaking, but God is speaking through David. Verse 7 says, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. Now among the living, those are places we haven't seen yet. Okay, So that, that is what we accept by faith. But watch this. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost, or the remotest parts of the sea, for all you sailors out there, Even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. What a comfort. Verse 11. If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Now that's where a transition happens in the psalm. Because here's what's happening. Men love darkness rather than light because what? Their deeds are evil. We have this idea that if I'm in the darkness... Nobody can see. But David, under inspiration, says, not so. Sure, if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee. Again, here's what the original means. The darkness darkens not. Everything is light to God. He sees it all. But the night shineth as the day, the darkness and the light are both alike to thee. So nothing about man can be hid from the eyes of God. He even knows all about a man. And this is where we transition to verse 13. Knows about a man before he's born. Look at verse 13. For thou hast possessed my reins. Literally, that saying, you own my inward parts. How? Next phrase. Thou hast covered. Now, here's that word. I referred to it earlier in the, in the service. That's the word for weaved. Lord, you weaved me in my mother's womb. Verse 14, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My soul knows that greatly. Now you need to hang on to that. Because when we get to the end of the message, we're going to talk about conscience. And I want you to connect the dots now. My soul knoweth greatly that what God just said is true. My conscience knows it. There's no denying it. We can talk about DNA. We can talk about about who we are, fearfully, wonderfully made. What is man? (laughs) Wow. Wow, wow. The miles of nerves you have running through your body. Now let's read on. My substance was not hid from thee, verse 15, when I was made in secret and curiously wrought. That means skillfully weaved in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. That's the idea of unformed. Well, it's just a fetus. Wait a minute. It's just not Form, but it is the blueprint of God. Just not formed yet. Does God see? He's the master who is weaving there in that womb that special eternal being, that life, that human life, which in continuance, now that word continuance, oops, I'm I'm jumping ahead. I'm going to back up. In the lowest parts of the earth, thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, unformed, and in thy book all my members were written. Do you know that there is a heavenly blueprint of you? Now, some of you need to remember that when you look in the mirror and you go, what happened? <laughs> no, wait a minute. No, there's a blueprint in heaven. Don't ever look at someone else and say, well, that's not pretty. Well, what they may be doing to themselves isn't pretty. Okay. But as far as the way God made them, I would caution children, young people, do not criticize the appearance of somebody else. You're looking at the blueprint of God. In his eyes, fearfully, wonderfully made. He likes it. He loves it. You shouldn't judge it. Don't do that. Okay. Which in continuance? Again, Hebrew word here is yom. The word literally means to be hot as in a day. So it's it's Hebrew imagery. But what it's saying is the very days needed to form me. God determined that. You moms, well, here's where the doctor set the due date. I'm two weeks late. Wait a minute. No, he's the one who set the days needed for that baby to be formed and then born. All right. So, which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. Here's the reality. God had a master plan for Adam. When he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life the design on the ground matched the blueprint in heaven. The same was true of David in his mother's womb. The same is true of each of us. So when the abortionist plays God he or she has entered the workroom of the creator where he is weaving his most amazing miracles, all made in his image. Well, I, don't, I just don't think the Bible says anything about abortion. You need to read your Bible. You need to try to get the mind of God about the miracle that is being formed there. It's his workshop, and it's out of bounds for you. I'm not suggesting that a doctor can't go in there and, and help that life. You know, thank God for good medicine, but he's trying, he's trying to prolong the life. But if you're, if you're doing anything else there, you're out of the will of God. But the master plan was driven by a powerful and perfect motivation. So here's the third reason I'm pro life. The Creator's motive. Go back to Genesis chapter 3. And this is where things come apart. (coughs) Excuse me. But this is also instructive for us because notice what Genesis 3 8 says keep in mind, God said, let us make man in our image. Think about what, I've thought about eternity past. I've thought about, what did the Godhead do back, back, back? Well, they they weren't frustrated. You know what the Godhead has enjoyed for all eternity? Perfect fellowship. The Godhead had the Godhead, and then the Godhead, in God's infinite wisdom, made additional beings to fellowship with them. Let us make man in our image. There's nothing else in the creation that is able to fellowship with God because there is nothing else in creation that has the God consciousness that we do. And so in Genesis 3:8, Adam and Eve decide they know better than God. They decide they're going to be like God. How foolish. They forgot the ground from which they were made. And in verse 8 it says, "And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day." Now here's something you need to remember about the text. They were already hiding. Why? Because God was on schedule. Are you with me? This is what God did every day. This was the best part of Adam and Eve's day. They got to walk and talk and fellowship with their creator. Amazing. And so God's on schedule, but where are they? Well, they're hiding because they knew they had offended their creator. You can't fellowship with the creator if you're living in disobedience to him. And at this point, they didn't even know what to do about it. Innocency is gone. Now they are living into the darkness of sin. They're hiding. They're fearful. That's what sin always does. By the way, it wouldn't be long they'll be blaming each other. Blaming others. Sin does that too. They hid themselves from, notice, the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They were hiding because they knew he was coming to do what he did every day. Have fellowship with them. God desired worship through man's fellowship. This was his motivation. Do you think Satan wants more worshipers of God here on this planet? What's an easy way to change that? Let's convince them again that they can be like God. They can control life. That that's up to them. And so destroy life. And the creator's motive then Reminds us of the creator's mandate. Another reason I'm pro-life back in Genesis 1 27. So God created man in his own image in the image of God created he him male and female created he them and God blessed them and God said unto them be fruitful multiply by the way notice God blessed them fruitful multiply that all goes together. Do You know why some people have abortions because if I'm going to have earthly blessing I can't afford kids. They're an inconvenience, they're in the way, they're expensive, whatever. No, the blessing comes with the obedience. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it. Filling up the earth is helping you to subdue what God has given you stewardship over. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So God created Adam and Eve to fill up the earth. But what was God really trying to do? Listen carefully. Through them, God was wanting more Adams and Eves so that they too could fellowship with God in the cool of the day. Remember, this all happens before the fall. The first command in the Bible is what? Be fruitful and multiply. It's a command when I do pre-marriage counseling, I remind couples of this, first command in the Bible. Why? Because God wanted to make more Adams and Eves to go throughout the earth and throughout the earth to return worship to him. Why did God create all things? We don't have time to turn to Psalm 119, 1 to 4. But it talks about the heavens declaring the glory of God, the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where his voice is not heard. Well, again, that reminds us all over the earth, all those those languages. What are all those languages hearing through creation? The magnificent power, greatness of God so the creator's mandate be fruitful multiply what is man's opinion if it's convenient if i think i can afford it if i was expecting it here's one if the doctor says that it's in good health now you know your pastor and his wonderful wife god gave us 11 All right, I could go on and on this morning about how many times doctors told us you're too old, there's going to be problems, here's what we recommend. In fact, they would have that conversation with Renee when she was alone, so I started going to her doctor's appointments. And those discussions stopped. Well, we recommend, he didn't recommend it to me. And all the things that could go wrong, which, by the way, there can be problems, but here was always our answer. God put this little one here. This little one belongs to God, and God gets to decide what's going to happen with this little one. So if, if you have a test that, that proves that there is a problem that you can help ahead of time, let's talk. If you want us to end this pregnancy because you're fearful, we have nothing to discuss. Why? Because of what God says. Not because I can see, because, well, ultrasound I could see. But no, because of what God says. Now, our, our time is about up. Let me give you two, two more reasons that I'm pro-life. And this, 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 I think, is the greatest proof in all of our Bible. The next one is the conception of Messiah. Genesis 3.15, God said, all right, I have already planned to fix this sin problem. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed, Satan, thy seed, and her seed. That word, sperma. Between thy seed and her born children, or born child? No, no, no. Her seed. All right? That's where the life begins. That is as much of my plan as everything else involving Messiah. Do you see that, dear church family? All right? It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Listen to Galatians 4.4. 4. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. Stop. It's not what it says. What's it say? Help me. Made of a woman. When is the baby being made? Before it's born. Do you see it? Underline it. Highlight it. That's what the scripture says. So at what point did Jesus become a man? Before he was born. Consider this. Hebrews 10 and verse 5. Wherefore. When he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering, thou wouldest not. This is the, the Son, Messiah, speaking to the Father, but here's what he says. But a body thou hast prepared me. Where was the body prepared? In the womb. And so the conception of Messiah... When does human life begin conception? When the holy or when the angel said to Mary that which is in you is of the holy spirit. There you go folks. That which is going to be born. No, no, no. What's in you? And then we close with this final why why am I pro life? <laughs> My conscience won't let me be otherwise. In fact, we could just say it this way. We talked about the conception of Messiah. This last point is the conscience of man. Let's go back to Psalm 139. Remember the weaving that God is doing. God bless you, ladies who are pregnant. (laughs) Uh, You say, Yeah, he's in there weaving, and it doesn't always feel good. (laughs) In fact, sometimes it takes away my appetite. All right, God God knows. (laughs) Okay. But let me ask you a question. Does it matter if the baby is covered by a belly or a blanket? The answer is it doesn't matter. It makes no sense that a birth canal makes us human. Unless you're going against your conscience. And Romans uh, chapter 1 tells us when they knew God, didn't want to glorify him as God, neither were they thankful, became vain, empty in their reasoning. What, what they're saying, what they're printing in medical journals, it makes no sense. And here's what the scripture says, Romans 1.21, And their foolish hearts were darkened. God gives them over. And God gives them over. And they become so foolish. I like what uh, we were told earlier when Megan was here and she she talked about ultrasounds. Do you know why an ultrasound is so powerful? It quickens the conscience. And by the way, these 3D ones now, we didn't have that when we were having ours. You know, baby can look, smile and say, hi, dad, hi, mom. (laughs) Those ultrasounds quicken the conscience to realize, no, that is a human life. So the conscience of man. That's why I'm pro-life. Remember that the Lord said in these last days that on this planet, man will be without natural affection. When a female nurse or doctor destroy an unborn life, that is not natural affection. And if they were honest, what is inside of them cries out against what they're doing. And why do so many women who have abortions then struggle emotionally and with the guilt because of conscience? They were made in the image of God. And you ladies, you were wired to, to you were made to have babies. Your, your emotions are all connected with that. And when you go against the plan of God, the only thing that can happen is for you to struggle. So conscience is the alarm system in us that helps us understand There's a problem between ourselves and our creator. And and the alarm system is not the problem. We have to find out why the alarm is going off. And when we agree with God, repent of sin, God quiets the alarm. And he gives us peace. So I've shared with you this morning why I'm pro-life. Can you define why you are pro-life? In Church of Jesus Christ, we need to declare this truth. and We need to share with folks that one day God wove inside the womb of a virgin his very own son. So that he could come and die in our place. Pay for our sin debt. To restore us to what Adam and Eve enjoyed in the garden before the fall that we might fellowship with God and in so doing return worship to him. And if you don't know the Savior today, you need to come to him. And if you're hurting because of some sin, something in the past, come to Christ. He will heal. He's able to deliver. And so let's be a voice for truth. Let's love the world as they destroy themselves and share with them the good news that Jesus saves. Father, thank you for our time together today. Lord, there's so much more that could be said. But, Father, these are the reasons why you're pro-life, why you expect us to be pro-life. So, God, help us to love our neighbors. Help us to love our unborn neighbors. Be quick to stand for what is right. And especially to be willing to share the gospel and have an answer to those who ask of the hope that is within us. Father, the reality is Satan is populating heaven. While these little ones could not return worship to you here, they are worshiping you there. We have scriptural proof of that. But Father, you've got us here to be light, so help us to be faithful in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's Word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make Him known to others.